0: thanks john isn't that incredible see there's just so much going on in that testimony because maxine maxine can you wave to everybody put your arm up see what maxine could have said i'm in a place where i need caregiving so i don't know if i'm useful on this earth See in the kingdom of God, God is using every one of us till He says we're done. You have infinite value, an infinite purpose wherever you walk. Why? Because Jesus Himself is in you. Guys, there is no other philosophy that that can live this out other than following Jesus. That our lives are of infinite value and import. Not just for ourselves, but for others to the day Jesus takes us home. About almost three years ago now, you may have remembered when Roger and I did a little swap, swap de do on the lead pastor role here that I disappeared for a long time, uh, on a missions trip. And it was honestly, I, I ended up going with OTTOM, uh, to Puerto Rico and it was a deeply transformative moment for me um, the first one is because I got to go with my my youngest son on his first ever missions trip so that was a lot of fun but the other was and I never really told you guys this but um, I was staying in a uh, church school classroom that was where I slept and I had some of the deepest experiences with Jesus preparing me for what it was I was about to get into well the pastor's of that church who hosted us are here today from Puerto Rico so pastor Edgar and Wanda their daughter Abigail who's going to be going to ORU and Leanna who was we were we were missions moms together during the time you guys stand up and we could recognize them yeah <laughs> These guys were also instrumental in uh, uh, Hurricane Maria went through Puerto Rico. It devastated so much of the island. And they were instrumental at actually getting the churches to move forward and do relief work throughout the island. And so really unsung heroes just really worked really hard uh, to serve their nation. Their, I guess it's not a nation. Annexation. What do you call it again? Commonwealth. 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 I was getting trouble. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, so glad you guys are here today. Well, um, thank you, Lord, for all the good stuff you're doing. Today we're going to we're, we're start, we've got about a couple more teachings left on this How Do I Know What's True series. And if you haven't been part of it, I, you know, if you have been, you've heard this review so many times. Sorry, but, but I actually am not apologetic because I know repetition is how we get learning. And so I say it over and over again. Um but asking the question, how do I know it's true? Why are we asking this question is because truth can be hard to find. <laughs> There's just so many voices hollering, right? And we've got so much coming our way, it's hard to discern what's actually going on and what's actually true in the world. That's, what's challenging about that is though truth is de- determines how I live. Every decision I made, I'm making, I've made some kind of assumption about what's true. Like, you drove to 4705 South Memorial assuming Believer's Church would be there. That was a truth statement you made, right? And so you assumed when you put your key in the car, you know, we're just living by all these assumptions that of things that are true. Every decision we make is based on what we think is true. And so it's so critical that we determine what is truth. We've said that Jesus himself is truth. That truth is not just an idea, but it's a person. And so the question becomes not just how do I know it's true, but how do I know this person, Jesus? And so we've been talking about four ways we do that. The reason we want to do that is we have to know Jesus so we can reliably know what is true and live it. I'm telling you guys, I, I, just this time in history is an assault is an assault. We, 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 we've gone through a global pandemic and that's still out there. Now we're facing war at a very, very dangerous scale. Things that like, I mean, there's historians saying this is like, they're wondering if this is 1914 or 1939 for the historians, non historians in the room. That's where the world wars started. It's just, what is going on? We have so many opportunities to hear an interpretation. This is what this means. Did you know that you can know Jesus and know it is true? You can. You can. And in fact, you must. You must. So four different ways reason experience scripture and tradition was there's there's more than that, that that to know jesus to know a person but these are the four we're using a guy named john wesley had thought these were pretty good I, I, I like it mostly because it carries a great acronym so that it works very well for preachers you get to say rest so we how do i know jesus rest. yes isn't that wonderful um so we, we've been going through each of these and recognizing they're not all equal, that there there's a, a priority scale. At the top is Scripture. We talked about how we know Jesus through Scripture. Then tradition, which is... Somebody tell me, what's the short definition of tradition? Other people. Other people. Yes, thank you. That was so encouraging. Other people. Other people that have known Jesus, not just right now other people, but for the last 2,000 years. We have to learn from them. Next one, we talked about experience. And then today, we're going to talk about reason. This is going to be interesting and fun. We're going to talk about what is reason? How does it work? Why is it important for knowing Jesus? And what are its limits? I've said this before, you know, one of my, one of the teachers I really respect, Andy Stanley. Anybody listen to Andy Stanley? He's got an awesome article, say, Why I'm a One Point Preacher. What I'm doing today violates everything he thinks is good about doing sermons. And and the reason why is this, This I, I felt like I just needed to kind of back the truck up and just dump it. Um, so, so you'll see there'll be 12 points at the end. You'll never remember all this. But this is why we post this online is because truth is this. It, 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 there is nuance in complexity to knowing what's true and following Jesus. Sometimes in the, in the desire to make it simple, we want to make it easy. And that doesn't exist. There is simplicity. How do we know Jesus? Rest. What's the truth? Jesus. That's super simple. But to actually live it out and wrestle with it takes work. It takes work. But nothing that's worthwhile just flops into our laps usually, right? Nothing that, that's just not the way it works. So, we're going to talk about reason. What is reason? And reason is just simply, one way you can think, it's my ability to think to know what the truth is. Just to think about something to know what the truth is. And so if we apply that, if Jesus is the truth, it's my ability to, my ability to think to know Jesus. That Jesus has given us this, these noggins, this, this ability to think through stuff and, and arrive at a relationship with Jesus. And so I want to talk about how, well, how does that work? Last week, we talked about experience, and we said that experience was the way I engage the world, right? It's the way I gather data about the world that exists. So what reason is, it's thinking, and it's, it's the way I make sense of my experience of the world. So something happens to me, and immediately, almost anything, like I was, I was watching John Free, I, for a second, like, what is this sound? Is the second coming happening? In John's reasoning, we watched it, bam, bam, likely it's rain. It could be something else, likely it's rain. He immediately reasoned, and we did together. For all we know, there's nothing left outside this building. We're the only building still standing, unless you've walked outside, which would be really interesting. None of us expected that, right? I hope that's not the case. Some of our apocalyptic people are like the zombies are on us. I'm out of here, you know. <laughs> We we have to think about our experiences, and that's what reason does. It's how to make sense of my experience of the world. Last week we said there's two different ways we, we, we engage with experience. One of them is presence, to be present to someone or the world that exists. And the other one is practice. It's by doing stuff, we experience the world. So a few examples of, well, then how does reason work? With presence and practice. I'm just gonna give you a few examples and hopefully this will help illustrate. The first one will be something like logic. That that if if you're observing things, you notice that I can't be both me and not me at the same time. You think, well that's obvious. Ah. It's actually you're observing your experience that I can't be both me and not me. I'm reasoning about that. Or, or or how about this? That if there's one of me and one of you together when we count, there's two. Of course, that's so dumb. You're reasoning your way. You're experiencing and observing something that exists called logic. That's got like this math stuff in it. There's another one that there's order. Have you noticed on a regular basis the sun appears? And then the sun disappears. The sun appears. And the sun disappears. It, or, or, or the season—it kind of get well. I was going to say this is a, seasons a bad thing to talk about in Tulsa. <laughs> like I genu—I genu—here I have to look at my phone and say what month is it? Because yesterday it was July, and today it's January. You know, I mean. But 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 we we can notice just by being in the world that there's order to the world. That this kind of happens, that, that another one is beauty. That, that, that you can look at a thing like a flower, but, and it's got stuff, petals, but there's something in us that goes, oh, that's pretty. Or a beautiful person, or a sunset. Something in us goes, oh, we can reason about our experience. And now practice is really interesting, like cause and effect. You can take a hammer, take your thumb, and hit it. And you can reason that that's going to hurt. It might hurt over and over again. You could try it over and over again, right? I could stand here and jump off this and see if I can fly. But cause and effect, and my reasoning of practicing in this world is going to tell me I probably can't fly. Or something like justice. Justice is an abstract idea. How do we know that that exists? Well, just let somebody take something from you and see how you feel. Does something, and you tell them that that's not right. For some reason, that's not right. I mean, we we try to tell our kids that, like, at a very very young age, but we also start if you start to reason about it, it's really kind of hard to live together if you take things from each other, right? So it says I can reason from my practice of the world that exists that something like justice needs to exist. And another one, this is love, is is this crazy deal that you can observe. You can observe there's nobody stronger than a mother bear love, right? That I I, I mean, I, I've seen my wife. She would throw herself in front of a moving car to stop her children from being hurt. There is no good reason for that. You know, what I mean, in terms of thinking that that will work. It, it, and also, you know, sometimes it's, you know, there's those who'd argue that everything we do is for our own survival. But have you even noticed love doesn't really work that way? That, that, that there's this common experience in humanity that people will do things to their own detriment for the better of another. And, and we call that love. And so, so our thinking about uh, experiences, presence and practice, tell us these things. So the question is then, how do I reason to know Jesus? How do I make ex- uh, a sense of the experience I have in the world? How I think about these things and arrive at Jesus? Well, one of the deals simply is this, you can come up, is, is for any of these things, I think if you, the way to get to it is to ask the question, why? So for instance, how I make sense of my experience of the world, why am I able to make sense of my experience of the world? You following me? Why am I able to think at all? Now, there, there are other options than Jesus. There are other options than Jesus that, that conscious thought would exist. I'll tell you this, and this is a book title. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist because it's too large of a leap for me to, 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 to not start reasoning from, from things like the fact that I can think to what if it, Jesus is the back of this. And here's what's fun is this is where we get to engage the other ways of knowing Jesus. To help us make sense of our experience. So for instance, how I make sense of my experience of the world, how, why? Why does that happen? Well, it's because God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. He made us like him. So I can think. At least that's that's reasoning toward Jesus. Let me try some other examples. Logic, we see in John one one through two and Colossians 1.15 a couple things. This is fascinating. John, the apostle, writes this: "In the beginning was the Word." He uses the Greek word logos here. The reason I say that is because in ancient culture, that more than that it didn't mean in the beginning Jesus was the Bible. That's not at all what he meant. What he meant is this lagos was this word that, that even in, in, in uh other philosophies would say the lagos is the is the intelligence, the, the wisdom that runs the universe. The, the sense behind the universe, the fact that there is logic in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Paul goes on to say it in different language the Son, Jesus is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation. In Him, all things were created. In Him, the Logos, the one who has rationality and logic in His very being. All things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers, rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He's before all things, and in Him, all things hold together. Why does logic exist? Because Jesus exists. And Jesus created the world. This is the Jesus answer for that. How about um, order? Why is there order in the world? we got got uh, Colossians and Proverbs. We see that Paul says, in Jesus, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found. Think about that. First. That's a pretty all-encompassing statement. All the things that make the world orderly and make sense are found in Jesus. In Proverbs, uh, the the writer talks about God. And this is God in the first person saying, uh, he created wisdom. And and I and the wisdom saying I was there when he God set the heavens in place when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, which he gave the sea its boundaries so the water would not overstep his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I wisdom was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. You know that the wor- reason. In other words, the world was made with wisdom, not chaotic, not un, we, happenstance. You know, if you, if you dive deep in some of the some of the uh, just the the even the, uh, quantum theory, quantum physics, that you start to back into what what what, what sci- some scientists call uh, intelligent design. Has everybody heard that? That there's got to be some level of intelligence and purpose in this because it's too complex to make sense any other way it makes too much sense um you know, there's no beauty Why does beauty exist? You know, what you could do on a date with that special someone is look at a sunset and as one of of you is like, isn't that beautiful? Isn't this a special moment? You could just say, all it is is light rays refracting off the dust particles in the air. (laughs) Because that's what it is. It's dust. That's why Oklahoma has great sunsets. Mostly because of our dust. We have a lot of sky and a lot of dust. makes great sunsets. But there's something else. There's something that says, no, that's beautiful. That it's exultant. Why would that be? Well, it's beautiful. Psalm 27, 4 says, David says, One thing I ask for, Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. Why is there beauty? Because he's beautiful, God saw all that he'd made in Genesis. Has said, and he says, "That's good." The imprint, the taste of his beauty—that—that—that—that—that's that's this. What is aesthetics? Is it's more than just function. There's something that is just indescribable. Why? Because we're getting a taste of God Himself. How about cause and effect? Why does cause and effect? We ask the question, well, we can observe. And almost everybody would agree that all of these things on the left exist. I don't know any philosophers that are, you know, living in the world that exists and moderately sane. There are some that are not, by the way. Like, that they are genuinely uh, Nietzsche and... Um, can't bring his name but literally they would say the best idea is to make sure humans don't procreate and we should all kill ourselves i'm not joking i don't know if i want to get into that man you know i mean it's just not a philosophy i see working in the world that exists right but we can see that there's cause and effect and why is there cause and effect in the beginning god i mean this is a fundamental idea Is it true, in the beginning, God? Because you're always going to go working backwards, cause and effect. What causes that? What causes that? What causes that? You ultimately have to ask a question, how did this all start? This is where some physicists are trying really hard to show that the universe has never had a beginning and unfortunately are failing at it. Okay. Another one, justice. Why? Is it not good for me to take things from you and you to take things from me? Well, we could say it has something to do with our survival. Maybe, but maybe not. I could also run you over and kill you and not survive just fine. Why not? But could it be that God has written into the DNA of existence, you shall not steal? (laughs) Because something external to us beyond just our survival Is it from God's own heart says this is the way things are. And and then, of course, love. Love's just, ah, wonderful. That Paul, or excuse me, John, when he's describing God says, let's love one another. Why? Love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Why? Because God himself is love. Not that just, God's just a nice guy who's always, I just love you. No, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is in this sacrificial relationship in the persons of the Trinity constantly giving of himself. Father to Son, Son to Spirit, Spirit to Father and Son. It's just this crazy beautiful stuff you can look at through the scriptures and through tradition. How we see that the, in Himself, God is sacrificial love. And so why does love exist in the world that He made? Because He wrote His DNA into it. So, if you want to say, just in a short summary, how do we reason to know Jesus? We think about our experience of the world and ask, why? Why? I love being a Christian. You know why? Because I'm not afraid to ask why. I'm never afraid to ask why. Even with the most cherished beliefs we have, I've found every time I ask why and dive deep, God is at the end of it. If I'm honest, I find it. If I can ask why, I'll eventually find it if I'm, if I'm honest. Okay, so why is this so important? Why is reason so important? Unfortunately, you know, kind of in our charismatic-ish tradition, we're, we're a weird church, I'll just say that, because it's kind of hard to say what... People say what you are, is like, I don't know. I don't know what we are. Are we charismatic? Are we evangelical? Are we I don't know what we are. We just show up and like Jesus. How's that sound? It doesn't mean that we, we have flavors, I know. I'll tell you this, it makes it hard for post-sermon feedback, though, because it goes all over the place. But, but that's okay. That's okay. It's good for my ego. Uh, kill that ego, in Jesus' name, not my old self. Why is it so important to, to, to think to know Jesus? The first one is we can't really know Jesus without it. We we can't actually know Jesus without thinking. Like if you just do the just look at these things, as you say, cut out reason, well then you can't understand the Bible. You have to think about it to be able to make sense of it. And then you can't understand what other people are saying to you, right? And then ultimately you can't make sense of your experiences. We're reasoning all the time. It's happening all the time. We're thinking of and making interpretations of things all the time. So it's impossible to know Jesus without reason. Another thing is this, though. We get to see Jesus through the world He has made. You know, people, people are so complex and beautiful. I remember this moment I was at my uh, in-law's. And they at this time, they'd been married like 45 years. And it was Thanksgiving. And just a beautiful marriage. I mean, really healthy marriage, wonderful people. And, and there was this kind of moment where, where, uh, dad was saying, well, I do love peanut butter pie. And she's like, you love peanut butter pie? How's that even possible? And I just saw this moment. It was so cool that they'd known each other for 45 years. And he's, they still didn't know about peanut butter pie, right? Now, if you've been married a while, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you're like, who are you, person? What is happening right now? <laughs> my poor wife, unless you know what I'm like, she actually had a dream the other day that I left the car in gear, and she had to run and stop it. it was, experience does inform our dreams, too, sometimes. Uh, I was like, this poor woman's saving my bacon even in her dreams. <laughs> she can't get away from it. <laughs> in a marriage you never want to lose your sense of wonder because people are so complex and beautiful it's like whoa the the time when you feel that about your spouse is a good time to say this is amazing who are you and I'm not worthy of you because you're so complex and amazing then what is Jesus like if just one person it's like that. What is Jesus like? What you, you, you are trying to say? The only way I get to know Him is by singing songs in a worship service. I mean, that's cool, but that's pretty monochrome. Scriptures say this: that, that. Paul says since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. So the people without excuse, we can see God in the world that He has made. We can see Jesus. We can see this other aspect of Jesus. Jesus, the artist. Jesus, the engineer. Jesus, the physicist. The writer of Ecclesiastes said he set eternity in the human heart. There's this sense of more that, 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 isn't it crazy? The different stories we have about life beyond death with the culture believes that, that there's probably no life beyond death. Anybody watch The Good Place? You know, it's a fascinating, fascinating, it's a really it's a philosophical show to ask these questions. That there's something in us that says there's beyond the immediate of what I see. And and here's the really powerful deal that we as Christian people have to recognize. Paul says that everything God created is good. Where did he get that, by the way? Yeah, Genesis 1. How does he know that? God said it. Everything. He's like, this is good. Everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving but because it's consecrated by the Word of God in prayer. Let me tell you what that means. We don't have to be afraid of exploring anything. Because this is my Father's world. I can feel we don't all believe that. Guys, we, we, we are... We are invited to be the least fearful people on the planet. Dallas Willard said it this way, if you're in the kingdom of God, the world is a safe place to be. That doesn't sound right, does it? If you're in the kingdom of God, the world is a safe place to be. Is that actually true? He talks about the story of, you know, Jesus in the boat with his disciples where there's waves crashing around and Jesus is sleeping. I mean, I have trouble with just a little bit of noise falling asleep. You know what I mean? But he's he's asleep. And Jesus stands up, you have little faith. What's wrong with you guys? And Willard said, Well, the deal is they need to know the world's a safe place because even if Jesus didn't deliver them, he'll raise them from the dead. The world's a safe place. Even if you're killed, it's okay. This is what we actually believe. Now what's critical here is Paul saying, consecrating by the word of God in prayer. What's he saying? We interpret the world through the lens of Scripture and our experience with God. So there's, there's things we can get confused about in the world. There is false reasoning. Our enemy uses logic in these things to lead us down paths and make interpretations that are not true ones. The fun part is we've got the word of God in prayer. So walking with word of God in prayer into something, we can go look at anything and say, that's terrible. And just go, go home. Right. Or wait, I, I, I know what you say. What that guy's saying is really adversarial to me, but I'm seeing some truth in here. How do I know? Word of God, tradition, experience. I don't have to be afraid of anybody's opinions. Why? This is my father's world. Nothing's threatening my father's world. I don't. In fact, I don't have to defend my father's world. He's doing just fine. We can't. We can see. We want a reason to know Jesus. We need it because we can't know Jesus without it. We can see Jesus through the world He has made. Also, we can relate uniquely to Jesus. What do I mean by that? Humans who are made in the image of God, have the unique ability to reason. In other words, just us and God have a way we can relate to one another that's unlike any creature. Now it's true that my dog can do some basic reasoning. Anybody have a dog? And hopefully your dog can at least do some basic reasoning or you're having a long day every day. You know, my, my dog, for some reason, if he knows I'm putting my shoes on in a certain chair, the odds of a walk are high. And he comes my way, he's like, tail's just going. And I go, okay, buddy, we'll do it. But, my dog has yet to explain a devotional to me. He's yet to say, master, (laughs) talk to me about John 1. I don't know the religion languages. My dog has yet to write a poem, worshiping the Lord. Right. We humans have a unique way to relate to Jesus that our reasoning, he likes it and he wants to relate to us on this level. Why? Because the reason we know is because he uniquely gave us the ability to do it. So so to shut that thing off is like, oh, man, I kind of like that about you. It's a lot like me. Let's hang out together on this thing. Okay, we can relate uniquely to Jesus and then this one is awesome. Reason equips us for wonder. It almost sounds counterintuitive when you say that, right? Because you think with reasoning that you'd be like, you'd be able to get, you know, on top of things and kind of know everything that's going on. But if you're good at reasoning, you eventually know there's no way I can know everything. Like here's, here's, here's the thing with Wonder. If you guys ever seen, it came out like 10, 15 years ago. It was a discovery series on planet Earth. Anybody watch that? There's this crazy moment where they're, they're, they're talking about the world in caves and underworld. And it was only like 15 or 20 years ago that we discovered the largest crystals on Earth. They're these crystals that go from like, I don't know, from about here all the way to here, and they're like this big, and they're two miles underneath the earth. Why would God put crystals gorgeous like that two miles under the earth that nobody found till the 90s? That's wonder. What is he like? There's something in this. I was talking with Ken Weed and Dominic Halsmer, who's our resident scientists, engineers, guys here. They're saying we're built to be curious and to wonder and, to, and have this moment where we're like, I can't figure it out, but you're amazing. Come on. See, reason can lead us to worship because we, we, our phones can confuse us and believe, we can believe we can control the world with an app. There's gotta be an app out there to, to get the Ukraine-Russia thing going. Yeah, right? There's gotta be, just the right set of code no there's just so much we don't know and reasoning about it lets us get down to the place of just wonder and worship the god who exists so there's limits if all we had were reason we didn't have scripture we didn't have tradition we didn't have experience what will we experience well if we didn't have scripture, one of the problems, if you've just, if all you had was creation and your brain, that there's something we call general revelation that we may not get quite to Jesus and the cross. Does that make sense? So like I'm staring at a mountain that must, I could probably get to that there's a creator, but I might not get to the very specific revelation that this creator became one of us, gave his life away on the cross, raised from the dead. <laughs> So it's a little nonspecific without Scripture. Another thing, and this is super important, all reasoning depends on your foundational assumptions. All reasoning depends on your foundational assumptions. The best illustration I I like to use is, what does this mean? It's not a trick question. Shelly, yeah. Uh, Generally speaking... When I'm doing this, everyone in the room thinks I'm meaning yes. But what if it means no to me? That's going to that's gonna really change our chain of reasoning, isn't it? Of what we arrive at. Just simply getting to dinner could be a very difficult experience based on our foundational assumptions. Another way of saying foundational assumptions is faith. All knowledge, all reasoning starts with faith. This is going to be really fun next week because I got Ken Weed and Dominic Halsmer lined up. We're going to interview them about faith and science. And just what we're trying to do, guys, Ephesians 4:11, we're trying to equip you to be able to be the servants of God and ministers in the world that exists. And it's so fun to to start to explore our foundational assumptions and see how that speaks into a world that rejects faith but is completely built on faith. we don't have tradition, we're stuck in our own history and culture. It's really important because we can think we're rational and reasoning about stuff, but it's not at all. I mean, if you go backwards, you know, and talk to a doctor in the middle ages, they'd be, they'd be, you know, with the coronavirus, they just, will just bleed everybody. Just do some bloodletting and it, all will be fine. But there, there's some limits to their, their location in history, right? That's why we need to know other culture and other history to be able to reason well. And if you don't have, if you try to reason without experience, one of the things is we're not omniscient. We, this is why Jesus says do not judge. Because we never have all of the facts. Like a, a question would be, do all fish swim? How would you, how would you be able to know if all fish swim? You'd have to know every fish. Now I happen to know there is something called a frogfish and it doesn't swim. He's a dear friend. We've known each other for years from high school. That's a lie. But the frogfish thinks true. If you think about it, all of our knowledge is based on approximations. Do you realize how, how important faith in Jesus is? It underscores everything. Why? Because you're going to have faith in something to be your foundational assumption from which you make all your decisions. There's no way out of it. Everybody's doing it. Okay. Another one, we're not omniscient. Another one is experience tests our theory. I could all day long say I can fly. Right? All day long, as long as I stay at my desk and write about this, it is absolutely true to me. But till I jump off the building and have some experience to test my theory, I may not actually arrive at something that's true. This is where, like, um, relativism's fascinating to me, that there is no truth, and that same person will get in their car and stop at traffic lights. Why? I say, well, the culture decided that, but are you telling me other cultures are okay with smashing each other? The point is, it doesn't work in real life. That's one of the most beautiful things about the Christian faith, about the worldview, is it actually works in the world that exists. See, I follow Jesus because I realize he's the smartest guy that's ever lived. He's got the smartest way to live. I could do some other things, but I've seen the consequences for that, and it doesn't work out. So I'm going to go this way because I think he really knows what he's talking about. And the last one is the Jesus stalker syndrome. Remember what I talked about with Jesus stalking? You can have all the information about a person, but if you don't have experience of them, what do we call you? Yeah, a stalker. You know I, know, I know everything you've put on Facebook and Instagram, but we've never met. How does it make you feel? If, you're, if your secret is saying, famous, please stop that. It's not going to end up well for you. So we, So we never are going to have reason just by itself. None of these ever go by themselves, but it's important to recognize the limits. And this is, I'll say this. This is one of the reasons, uh, the reason can get dinged is because we have, we have had pockets in history where we thought we're afraid of our experiences because they don't make sense to my reasoning, so experience is out. But we can't know Jesus like that. You know, some people call him the frozen chosen. You heard that? Yeah. I, I like the frozen chosen. I also like the frothy mouth charismatics. Let's just do it all together. I'm serious problem is we don't like being with people different than us you know so if you take this stuff seriously you're gonna to have to be around people very unlike you okay so here's the summary here's my 12-point sermon <laughs> this is stuff you can look at online what is it it's my ability to think to know jesus how does it work it's thinking about our experience of the world and asking why you do not have to be afraid to ask why I promise you, I promise you, Jesus will be at the end of it. Why is it important? We can't really know Jesus without it. We can see Jesus through the world. He's made. We can relate uniquely to Jesus. We're, we, we're made to be able to think like this, and we're equipped for wonder. But what are its limits? You only get general revelation. Depends on your foundations you set. What, what's the faith assumptions you've made? Culture and history can limit us. We're not omniscient. Experience tests our theory, and we can turn into Jesus stalkers if we don't have the other stuff with us. So, what do we do with all this? Here's the big question. Here's the first thing I want us to do, and it feels like an invitation from the Lord all the time, is to review our foundations. What are the assumptions that I'm living by that create all of my reasons for being? The Bible is so stinking smart. Proverbs says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's actually a philosophical, epistemological statement. Nobody cares about what I said except for two people in the room. But what it means is our entire foundation of knowledge, God's saying is, know that I exist and I've made the world and I'm in charge. If you start from that, you'll actually have reliable knowledge. But I got to admit... Oftentimes, I'm a functional atheist. What if I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job? Well, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of the knowledge. What are the things that God said about how he takes care of his kids? Jesus in Matthew 6. Oh, that part of my foundation is not based on the fear of the Lord. man what if our nation's not going to exist what are you talking about i'm just throwing out the hypothetical i'm not making a political statement i'm just saying what happens to your heart it's super serious guys we make decision on this i just recently listened to a podcast by named mark sayers he's a pastor in australia He's a guy I've been listening to for years. He's just a really good researcher. He's full of the Holy Spirit. He, he said in the studies he's been doing on Russia that at some point, Putin in his closest circle has had a psychic that has had dreams that are crazy dreams. Now, we don't know what's happened. This is all conjecture. But when you're around stuff that ain't true, you start making some very big decisions that have huge consequences. Right? Right? Think about that. That, I mean, this is a real life, real time, life and death questions about our assumptions about what's true. But here's what's so great. If we come to me, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, learn from me. The deck is stacked in our favor for him to give us the appropriate foundation we need. We just have to come to him and learn his way, take on his yoke, his interpretation of the world and what it means. He is for us in this. But could we explore our foundations? One of the best ways, learn this, this is why Anthony Elliott's a rock star, um, who's teaching that what is love stuff. One of This is why emotions are helpful for us. They're a warning light on the dash. Something in your foundations is messed up. I'm super anxious, angry, afraid. Beep, beep. Now most of us, we just want to feel better, so we just take duct tape and put it right over the check engine light, right? It's good. I'm good. Why is there smoke coming out the back? I have no idea. I feel nothing. (laughs) And the goal is net You're not going to get better if you try to fix the emotion. That's, that's like trying to constantly put out fire by blowing the smoke away. It'd be like the fire, it'd be like a fire engine with going to a fire with, with fans, you know. It's still going. What's happening? The fire where it's at is our foundational assumptions. So you've got to ask, Lord, Psalm 139, search me and know me. See if there be any false way. No, I'm anxious. So you see what the false way is in me. And then lead me in the everlasting way. It's the best thing ever to get called out by the Lord. It's the best. This is what repentance is. It's just realizing, oh, I'm heading the wrong direction. I'm going to change. I love repentance. It gets me happier. More joyful. And the other thing is, go ahead and experience the world and ask why. Some of us may have been raised in environments where it wasn't okay to ask why. And, and I understand, you know, tr- trust me, submission is really important. But there, it's, it, it's submission to Jesus. That make sense? Is where our, where our submission happens. Now, does Jesus commission leaders? Yes. But, but never in any same kind of submission as to Jesus. Because we're never being mediated by another person between us and God. That's never happening. That's the whole point of Jesus being our high priest. Okay? So it's okay to ask why. Because I promise you, if you're honest and you stick with it, you'll find more of Jesus than you expected. So if you're one of those people that you felt like you didn't have a freedom, in fact, that you're rebellious to ask why. Can you just ask Jesus if that's true? Because what I found, he's like, oh, son, I've been waiting for you to ask this. Let's go talk. I'm going to show you more of myself than you've ever seen. All right, let's stay together. I know this isn't one of those topics that makes you want to dance. Like, reason. Come on. Jericho march around the city. Whatever. I don't know. Maybe it does. So there, I, I know that Ken and Dominic are like, reason. Jesus. They're, they're doing it over there. <laughs> I asked permission of Christina Holzmer, who's Dominic's daughter, and she teaches math at college. And so we were on this little vacation and someone had left out a journal like whose journal is that we open up and there is a parabolic curve in it. We're like, that's Christina's because I've never made one of those in my devotional journal. (laughs) I've never ever plotted anything out with the X, Y axis to meet the Lord. But Christina is the kind of person who would have pulled that off. And isn't that beautiful? Oh, isn't it beautiful? So let's pray. Lord, will you come and touch us? Maybe in places we've not been comfortable to let you go. Maybe we're afraid if we ask why you're not going to be there. We'll find that there was nothing there. And I want to thank you, Lord, for my experience. That you've always been there. Even in my Hardest, most painful questions. If I wait, in the context of the Word of God and prayer, like Paul said, it you show up. Maybe there's some of us here in the room, Lord, they are in that spot, and it looks like from the outside, the doing the Jesus stuff, but there's a sense of hypocrisy, a sense of ugh, I don't know if I'm into this. Lord, will You help us to ask these questions with You. And Lord, I trust You. I trust You that You love Your kids more than I could ever hope for, than anyone else could ever hope for. Meet Your kids, Lord. Lord, will You address us? Will You address us at our foundational level with the things that scare us, Lord? jobs, nation, law, all these things that just seem to be going all over the crazy place right now, Lord. i got to admit, I'm scared. It makes me feel scared, Lord. But Lord, I want to know where I can repent and receive the true foundation of the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of knowledge. Will you do that in us? And thank you that now that we've asked you, we can trust you to do it. If you're in agreement with this prayer, will you say amen? Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Have a wonderful week. We love you.